Welcome to Accelerating Government with Act IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Winogren. Welcome to the show that brings together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes. On today's episode, we're going to hear from a group of technology leaders who have been working across government to enhance the Patara scorecard. Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act passed in December of 2014 with a focus on CIO authorities, enhancing transparency and risk management, portfolio reviews, tech modernization, and so much more. Close on the heels of its enactment, the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee created the FATARA Scorecard, which grades federal agencies based on their performance of FATARA-related reform and improvement activities. Last year on the show, we heard from several members of the ACT-IAC Working Group, which was created at the request of House staff members to offer enhancements to the FATARA Scorecard that would take advantage of lessons learned and also address the rapid pace of technology change. Today, we're delighted to be joined by three of those working group leaders to provide an update on this important work. Richard Spires is principal at Richard A. Spires Consulting, former CIO at both DHS and IRS, former vice chair of the Federal CIO Council, and former chair of the Industry Advisory Council. Richard, welcome back to the show. Dave, it's always a pleasure to to come back on the show. Margie Graves is a senior fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, former federal deputy CIO, and the current chair of the Industry Advisory Group. Margie, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dave. And I'm really excited about uh, this important topic this afternoon and look forward to discussing it with you. And Rich Butel is the commissioner on the GSA Acquisition Policy Advisory Board, principal researcher at the Baroni Center for Government Contracting at George Mason University, managing principal and founder of Cyrus Analytics, LLC, and former counsel for acquisition and IT policy and cloud on the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. Rich, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Great to talk about the important work of ACT-IAC. I'm delighted to hear that. I am too. And it's great to have you all on the show and be able to return to the topic of FATARA. Let's uh, start with some initial stage setting. Rich Butel, you've watched history in the making, as they say. Why don't you start us off with a short reflection on the enactment of FATARA and the subsequent creation of the FATARA scorecard? Sure. So FATARA began in 2012 as part of a, a major research initiative in the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. Uh, Daryl Issa was the committee chairman, and he is a, a, a very knowledgeable in electronics and uh, IT, having founded a highly successful e-commerce company and uh, car alarm company, uh, for which he is pretty famous. Uh, what uh, precipitated the research was a series of unprecedented failures by government in large high-scale uh, uh, or large-scale IT development and deployment programs some with fairly catastrophic results. And so I was tasked to go back and look, look uh, root around within government to see how government was doing with respect to these huge bespoke, uh, both legacy programs and developmental activities, and come to find that GAO had been looking at this for a number of years, and as part of their high risk list had identified uh, IT modernization and IT uh, development as a high risk category. Um, and so then we, that research project was supercharged by a number of uh, catastrophic failures, and particularly the OPM data spill, where most of the classified information and, and personnel files for many thousands of federal government employees, including yours truly, uh, was picked off uh, uh, and taken over to China as part of a data leak. And so we began looking at it and combining uh, both um, uh, the, the history of, of government's uh, challenges uh, in this regard uh, with some 
policy development that had occurred pr primarily under Vivek Kundra uh, with a thing called the 25-point plan, where a series of reforms were offered, the keynote of which was, we need to transform our vision of the CIO role away from being a, a technician and, and, and a supporter for, uh, for infrastructure to becoming a true strategic partner with the business and with the agency uh, to assist in migrating to a modern 21st century digital government. And it was, it was a privilege and a pleasure to work with many CIOs, uh, especially Richard Spires in that activity um, and, and his testimony uh, to the Senate, for example, one thing that jumped out at me for many years I've kept in mind, talking about how CIOs need to develop and become strategic partners with the agencies so that when the phone rings, it's not the head of the agency saying, you know, what's wrong with my BlackBerry um, and, and you need to, your team needs to go fix it too. What do we need to do on a comprehensive enterprise-wide le le level to bring modern digital services uh, to the American people? So that's a quick snapshot of, of where it came from and, and how it developed. And then Margie, uh, you are the guest today who has most recently served in government. So I'm going to turn the next question to you and say, why does Fatara still matter a decade later? And what would you highlight that's been working well and what do you think needs to be perhaps replaced or refreshed in terms of Fatara and the scorecard? Oh, thanks, Dave. I think it's important because not only did the scorecard drive the right technology implementations to meet the most important administrative priorities, but it also drove cultural change by more strongly establishing the CIO authorities and, and measuring other C-suite cooperation. So FATARA could not be effectively implemented unless there was a true partnership among all the C-suite executives working very closely with the CIO to ensure that the right funding methodologies, to ensure that the right acquisition approaches, and to ensure that the right talent uh, was brought to the fore in order to execute effectively against the missions. And we really saw that reflected in the TMF later on in the cycle and many years down the road, uh, we passed the Modernizing Government Technology Act and within that was the Technology Modernization Fund. And the ability to implement the Technology Modernization Fund within agencies required that close partnership across the entire C-suite, especially with the chief financial officer. And what we did was we took that priority of implementing the TMF and we put it as an element on the scorecard. So once again, we were using the scorecard to drive effective adoption of the appropriate approaches to be able to achieve those digital transformations that Rich was just talking about. We continued to do that uh, by looking at what has changed. As you move through these implementations, some of them actually get completed or there's a change in technological approach that requires you to pivot to the next evolution of technology. And a case in point is when we look at the uh, progression from data center consolidation, which was originally part of the Fatora scorecard, to cloud first, 
and then ultimately to cloud smart. So we're moving from asking agencies to reduce their footprint and move from actually uh, owning and operating to use of the available technologies that were just coming to the fore at that point for government use, particularly the cloud technologies. And we asked them to consider it first in cloud first in terms of the policy that supported it. And then later on, we asked them to consider it more often and more effectively in cloud smart. And we pulled in all those other elements in cloud smart that made it easier to actually adopt cloud, which was again, inclusive of the funding methodologies, the acquisition and talent. So I see the Fatara scorecard as constantly driving the cooperation, the collaboration, and the ultimate success of what we're trying to achieve in digitization and transformation through the appropriate measurements of each one of these initiatives. Everyone likes to talk about what's going well and what could be food for improvements. I want to give Richard and Rich an opportunity to weigh in. Richard, what what's, what are some things about the scorecard that you think you know have been going well and and what might be target for the next part of our conversation about what to improve? Yeah, and, and there's no doubt, Dave, that the scorecard has been a real success. I, I think by any measure you have to say that, and and I and I applaud uh, particularly Congress and and leaders in Congress. Um, like Daryl Issa and Jerry Conley for, for showing that leadership over these years. I mean, the data center consolidation initiative and holding um, agencies accountable for that, I think was a very big win. And the scorecard helped drive that as a, as a primary example. Um, another good example of this is getting agencies to really move to incremental development. I mean, if you go back a decade, Agile was just starting to really come to the fore and the like, and to get agencies to start to think culturally, as Margie was talking about, changing how they go about uh, developing IT systems was really, really key. And again, I think the incremental development aspect of the scorecard has been instrumental in helping push that forward. But that being said, things change, right? I mean, technologies evolve, processes evolve, and um, we really feel, the working group really feels strongly that it's important that we step back, um, you know, assess the scorecard for where, where it is right now. Um, a number of us have testified about the scorecard and, and feel that it needs to be updated pretty substantially um, in order to still have that relevancy, to still drive agencies to that next level of performance uh, within how they manage and deliver IT for the mission. We're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Richard Spires, Principal at Richard A. Spires Consulting, Margie Graves, Senior Fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, and Rich Butel, Managing Principal and Founder of Cyrus Analytics, LLC. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wendergren, and on today's show, we're talking about the Fatara Scorecard with some well-known tech leaders. Richard Spires, currently a principal at Richard A. Spires Consulting, and the former CIO at both DHS and IRS. Margie Graves, senior fellow at IBM and former federal deputy CIO. 
and Rich Butel, Managing Principal and Founder of Cyrus Analytics and former counsel on the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. When we're going to break, we're talking a little bit about the evolution of the Fatara scorecard over years, over the years. But I'd like to turn back to you, Richard, and and get some thoughts about the working group. Before we do that, for the sake of our loyal audience, they will remember that we had you on the show a year or so ago to talk about a book that you had written on the federal technology market. And rumor has it that you're working on a new book. And so I'm wondering if you could just give us a give us a little teaser about the upcoming new book. Yeah, thanks, Dave. And yeah, my second book's going to be out later this summer. Um, the title of it is Government Can Deliver. I'm a very positive guy. And the subtitle is A Practitioner's Guide to Improving Agency, Effectiveness, and Efficiency. And, um, you know, it really is uh, about how can an agency operate to better leverage technology to improve its operations and what it can deliver to the mission. And um, I'm excited to get this out. And um, and I'm excited that uh, someday, hopefully, you and I will sit down and uh, have a, a fulsome discussion about what's in the book. Well, when the book comes out, we'll be delighted to have you back on the show. And uh, I know everyone will want to hear more about it. Um, in a few minutes, we're going to do a lightning round on the major themes in the report that the working group issued. But maybe before we get there, Richard, you just give us a, a few words about the uh, the ACTIAC working group that was formed and what it's been up to. Yeah, when we were asked to, to, to really work on this uh, we decided it'd be good to do a cross section of, of, of executives that had been there and done that, that really understood Fatara well, um, and were part of the process of using Fatara. And so, you on, on this, you already introduced, of course, two key members of the team, in Margie and, and Rich Butel, of course, myself. But then what we did was we added others. Um, Certainly a number of other uh, federal CIOs like uh, Jonathan Albaum and Alan Baloudis, uh, Casey Coleman, uh, S.A. Miller from DOD, um, uh, Renee Wynn from NASA, Dave McClure. But then we also wanted to add some different perspectives. So we asked Dave Pounder, who served as the IT lead for, for uh, GAO for quite a few years, was instrumental in helping uh, not only established Fatara, but also the scorecard itself. Uh, we added Dan, Dan Chenick, who of course at the time wasn't called a federal CIO, but he essentially served in that role at OMB back in the early 2000s. Um, and so we really tried to round out the team here to, to bring different perspectives. And so the recommendations we made were really a consensus view of all these uh, executives that have worked in and around the Fatara and federal IT as to what we believe was be best and how the best to evolve the Fatara scorecard. Excellent. So now let's talk a little bit about the report, which you'll be able to find on both the Federal News Network website and the ACTIAC website. But um, the Rich already, so Richard already sort of touched on the one of the first area, which was uh, the adoption of modern system development practices like Agile and DevSecOps and the imperative for improving customer experience. So Richard, I was wondering if maybe you could continue on and elaborate a little bit more on that part of the report. Sure, yeah, I, mean, I talked about incremental development, which is great, but we've kind of moved past that. And now we're all about doing agile and, uh, and DevSecOps and using the latest techniques in customer experience. We feel strongly it's time to start to measure agencies on their implementation of those things. And, and I want to, also, as part of this, just mentioned a theme. And Dave, you've talked about this uh, as well. This, 
we not we need to be outcome based in these kinds of measures. So when we talk about using modern system development practices, you know, in order to get an A, so to speak, on that, we're recommending that you have to actually be doing this stuff in production. Okay. You actually have to be using DevSecOps uh, in order to actually deliver systems in production. This can't just be about, you know, a prototype or pilots or we got a plan, but it's really got to be, hey, we are really now using these modern techniques and tools to deliver systems. Very good. We're going to, I'm going to turn to you now, Rich, and uh, say, you know, there's another topic in the report. Uh, on the area of IT budgets and the importance of more focus there, as well as considering things like the use of working capital funds and activity-based costing. Why, why is this focus on the IT budget so important now? Well, because uh, uh, until we can do uh, agency uh, uh, measuring uh, that, that, is, that is comparable across the board, uh, using uniform taxonomies and cost, uh, cost structures, uh, I, I always like the TVM methodology uh, as an approach, uh, it's it's this was a missing element in Fatara was how you measure cost savings, how do you measure improved efficiencies in a in a credible way uh, uh, that allows you to really do should cost analyses across the board to see which agencies um, are implementing the innovative uh, procedures and approaches that Richard just mentioned uh, uh, and and are being successful in terms of their operational deployment, and so this getting credible apples to apples uh, measurements and, and reporting uh, agency by agency requires the implementation of uniform uh, financial taxonomies across the board. Uh, Margie and I have talked about this extensively, and I, and I think that, that the appearance and adoption of some form of uniformity, again, I, I, I like the TVM methodology, and that's the one I'm most familiar with, um, is, is a critical kind of missing element um, uh, in uh, in uh, examining and validating uh, each agency in the approaches that they're taking. Margie, um, we're, we'll, we'll turn to you for a second and say that, uh, you know, another imperative of the report was the need to focus on IT modernization. And I think it's a big enough topic that I'll let all three of you opine, but we'll let Margie go first and, you know, and not just move to the cloud, but also address legacy systems applications. Tell us a little bit about why that work was so important that you made it a focus area of the Fatara report. IT modernization is at the very heart of what we're trying to accomplish in terms of creating a federal wide digital government. Uh, it's reflected in all of the president's management agenda items this year and also uh, in the past. And I would say that it's probably uh, part and parcel of customer experience and how our individual agencies deal with the public in delivering goods and services uh, that only the government uh, can do. So having the most um, modern systems that we can uh, possibly field and using the modern system development practices, notably uh, Agile, which uh, Richard mentioned earlier, and establishing a DevSecOps delivery pipeline, uh, ultimately um, continuous uh, delivery, continuous integration. Those are the kinds of methodologies that are, are part and parcel of the way we deliver technology today. And in order to be successful, uh, in your programmatic uh, endeavors in the federal government, you need to be able to adopt these kinds of 
of um, methodologies moving forward. We also have shared services. We have the cloud. We have all kinds of wonderful commercial platforms that can support the federal government in modernizing. Um, but this is a it's it's a long journey, primarily because the technical debt has accumulated over many decades, and we're going to continue to address that technical debt while at the same time we're using the modernized approach to modernize our systems going forward. So I would expect that um, this will be continuous. Uh, I remember um, our CFO at DHS at the time when we were trying to implement the very beginning of the modernization journey, uh, he kept saying, what is, uh, what is the expenditure and when am I done? And the answer is you're really not done. Uh, it will consistently evolve. Uh, you will be developing uh, systems to support new requirements and new laws and new mandates. But you will also be looking back into that technical debt and trying to pull up those systems into a more modern stance. So um, it's something that's very near and dear to every CIO's heart. Uh, because this is really the way we look at our portfolio and the way we prioritize, uh, the way we move through modernization is really the value that we create for that mission space. I, uh, I love the idea of the IT modernization plan being such an important focus of the report. It, it not only you know drives at a top issue that's facing the tech market, but it also reflects the fact that it's focusing on outcomes. And so it allows the congressional oversight process to focus on how are we doing against a set of outcomes that we said we would hit rather than just, you know, doing oversight about who did what wrong. And so I think those are all great signs and great elements of the report. We're going to take a short break. And when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Richard Spires, Margie Graves and Rich Butel. I'm Dave Wendergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wendergren, and today we're discussing the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act, commonly known as FATARA, and its attendance scorecard. We're joined by three outstanding technology leaders. Richard Spires is principal at Richard A. Spires Consulting, former CIO at DHS and IRS, former vice chair of the Federal CIO Council, and former chair of the Industry Advisory Council. Margie Graves is Senior Fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government, former Federal Deputy CIO and the current Chair of the Industry Advisory Council. And Rich Butel is Commissioner on the GSA Acquisition Policy Advisory Board, Principal Researcher at the Baroni Center for Government Contracting at George Mason University, Managing Principal and Founder of Cyrus Analytics, and former Counsel for Acquisition and IT Policy and Cloud on the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. Outstanding experts active in the field and have watched Fatara grow and bloom and are really interested in helping it go to the next level. As we went to break, we were talking about the major elements of the report that the ACT-IAC Working Group released. Richard, the next area in the report was cybersecurity. What would you like to highlight, particularly around the sort of changing nature of cybersecurity and what the report has to say? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, so the current scorecard really relies on the FISMA process and the, the auditing, uh, typically from IGs of an agency on their, on their FISMA process. And while there's some, certainly some positives in that, I think 
the, the general feeling is it's still very much a compliance oriented kind of checklist mentality and doing cybersecurity. And with things moving the way they have in cybersecurity, the threats continuing to grow, the need to be incredibly proactive for agencies to pr protect their data and their systems. Um, we, we really would like to orient the scorecard differently around cybersecurity and, and really focus on five major areas. And I'll just highlight a couple most important ones. So we all know that identity management and really understanding who is using those systems, who's accessing your systems is incredibly important. And so the use of multi-factor authentication and, and what percentage of the systems that you have out there use MFA is an incredibly important aspect of providing cybersecurity. So let's measure that. Let's, let's grade agencies on how well are they doing in using modern identity management systems, particularly the use of multi-factor authentication to, to assure a high level of, of uh, surety that you know who is on the other end of the line, who you're dealing with. Um, things like smart patching. I mean, if you look at most of the uh, of the breaches, um, whether it be in government or across industry, a lot of them is because agencies or companies are not patching well. They're not keeping up with the latest releases of operating systems or database software or whatever it may be, and that's causing real issues. So. This idea of making sure that agencies are really keeping abreast and keeping up to date on their patching is so, so important. Let's measure that. Let's, 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 let's use that in the FATARA scorecard. And I'll just bring up another one that's, that's really important. Uh, making progress on zero trust and defining an architecture for zero trust for agency and not just defining it and writing a plan about it, but to this, this theme of we want outcome-based, then they actually implement it to show real implementation progress. There are a few others, but let me let me stop there. There are so many important topics, the changing nature of cybersecurity. It clearly is a national imperative. I'm so glad you brought up zero trust and, and these other areas like identity management, where not only a lot of work is being done by organizations like ACTIAC, and you can see a lot if you go to the ACTIAC website, but an imperative across government. Rich Butel, another area of the report is the greater emphasis on attracting and retaining the workforce of the future. What would you like to share on the topic of workforce? Well, clearly deficiencies in the workforce, both in terms of training um, and retention, um, are an essential aspect of, of uh, implementing uh, FATAR going forward. And so we sought to uh, amplify uh, and shine a broader spotlight on that specific criteria. But so, Dave, I wanted to footstomp a point that Richard just made about the concern that this not devolve in, into a, a compliance exercise, a box checking exercise, uh, whether it be for workforce or the cybersecurity uh, example that Richard was describing. I mean, recollect that uh, uh, the original Klinger Cohen framework going back uh, many years ago died on the vine because Klinger retired and Cohen went to become the Secretary of Defense. So the Fatara scorecard has been an instrumental uh, motivation and impetus uh, for IT modernization uh, going forward. Um, and one thing that we have not mentioned was to prevent these new criteria and recommended changes from becoming box checkers uh, and, 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 and serving in that role was the work of ACT-IAC in preparing a FATARA maturity model document that went to OMB at the very beginning uh, of FATARA uh, and the scorecard uh, formulation that, uh, that the ACT-IAC organization prepared uh, that outlined what a mature IT modernization process 
and mature uh, management procedures uh, ought to look like. And so as we look at these criteria and these recommendations, um, I always go back to, to that document in terms of shaping what the directional uh, uh, areas ought to be um, uh, that, that our amendments and, up, and updates ought, ought to address. The, uh, the final area of the report is the, the issue of CIO authorities. And Margie, I, I thought I'd turn to you first, but but again, this is an area where all three of you have, have thought a lot. And so I'd like to bring all three of you into the conversation. But but Margie, starting with you, you know, the report talks about the imperative for the CIO to be actively involved in the budget and acquisition processes of the agency. And so I'm wondering if there are some elements of that that you'd like to footstomp. Oh, I definitely would, Dave. I think it's so incredibly important that the CIO has the enterprise portfolio view for a number of reasons. Only by having a full view of the entirety of the IT systems uh, can the CIO drive elements of that portfolio toward modernization, towards standardization, towards consolidation, and also toward adoption of the most critical evolving technologies. Uh, only by being able to control the budget side of that equation can the CIO move the entire organization toward the roadmap that would reflect that most modern posture. And the partnership between the CIO and the CFO on doing this is absolutely critical. And I spoke at the very beginning about how um, important it was to have that C-suite cooperation and the partnership uh, with the CFO and having the CIO at the table when the budget discussions are being held, even though the CFO drives the budget process, having the CIO orchestrate and mediate over the most important parts of the budget that are referenced to the IT systems is probably one of the most critical elements in execution. Um, I believe that that has improved over time, thanks part and parcel to this particular legislation and also to uh, the scorecard driving it, uh, because some of those conversations weren't even occurring in many agencies at the time. Uh, so emphasizing that, making sure that the CIO uh, not only has access to that full portfolio view, but is able to drive the change that is necessary for modernization and digitization is, is critical. Rich Butel, we've talked about there's a difference between having a seat at the table and having a voice at the table. Is there anything you'd like to pile on on CIO authorities? Absolutely. I mean, this was the crown jewel of the original Batara draft uh, that uh, that we prepared back in 2012 and 2013 timeframe. And what, what has really changed is now a broad recognition across the agencies of how necessary and essential uh, that enterprise-wide CIO engagement really is, to the point where even last year, uh, the, uh, the appropriators in the FY23 omnibus uh, came up with specific additional requirements uh, to drive additional CIO authorities at USDA, Justice, and State. And so the appropriators um, who are never uh, that uh, 
uh, enthusiastic about many of these changes have themselves embraced the need for CIOs to be strategic partners with the agency to shape agency direction um, and not just mere, you know, mere support folks, but to be at the table and to have a robust and equivalent uh, vote and voice going forward. So I, I was very impressed and happy to see the, the widespread uh, acknowledgement and, and adoption of that, of that key requirement uh, coming out of FATARA across the federal agencies. We're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Richard Spires, Margie Graves, and Rich Butel. I'm Dave Winogren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wintergren, and on today's episode, we're discussing the importance of performance management in federal tech efforts and enhancements to the FATARA scorecard. We're joined by Richard Spires, currently a principal at Richard A. Spires Consulting and the former vice chair of the Federal CIO Council, Margie Graves, senior fellow at IBM and former federal deputy CIO, and Rich Butel, managing principal and founder of Cyrus Analytics and former counsel on the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. So, Richard, back to you. We've, we've talked a lot about the report work that the, the committee has done, but it didn't stop there. And so I was wondering if you could talk to a little bit the audience about the, what's been going on with the recent work by two federal civilian agencies who actually volunteered to go pilot the new measures and see how they work. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interest in evolving the scorecard, not just from us, but from CIOs themselves that are serving today in these federal agencies and uh, how can the scorecard be more effective for them and so we were able to to have two uh, leading federal uh, civilian agencies uh, pilot and we really wanted to to focus on uh, two objectives first was there, there's always been this concern about can we get the data to be able to effectively measure so we put out a, a new measure like what we talked about in, in uh, system development processes is moving to Agile and moving to DevSecOps. But can we effectively get agencies to, to measure that and give us the data back or how can we get that data? So the first objective was uh, for these agencies to take a look at, the, at what we proposed and could they get the data? And if they couldn't, or what, what would it take to get the data? Uh, and then the second objective is we asked each of these agencies to self-score and not so much that we wanted to get the grades themselves, but we wanted to understand the process they would go through to self-score. And it would make them then think about our recommendations and whether they would have any comments or advice on how those recommendations could even be furthered, even could be clarified or improved. The working group has also been engaged in conversations across the executive and legislative branches to build momentum on FATARA enhancements. Uh, let's start with GAO, Rich. What's been going on with the Government Accountability Office on this front? Well, they continue to, to be uh, instrumental um, uh, in maintaining a focus uh, on the need for, for reform. I was, in fact, looking at the, um, uh, the January 2022 report on the FATARA scorecard from GAO. And our, our good colleague, Dave Pounder, was, was an instrumental subject matter expert testifying many times in Congress uh, and Carol Harris is his uh, his successor over there, and and GAO has done a journeyman's job um, to track 
um, and and um, uh, validate uh, these efforts going forward. So uh, they can and they continue their reports on on troubled IT development projects and and the root causes. So they're they're a key player and a key partner in this whole process. And Richard, how about Congress and the professional staffs? What are you seeing there, and what should be next? Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, uh, on the on the House side, where there's been a lot of activity and leadership provided over the years on Patara, you know, of course, we had a change um, recently as far as the who was in the majority. And, uh, you know, that's caused perhaps some, I mean, they're focused on big issues and, and uh, we're trying to get their attention. We've had a number of meetings on the Hill with both majority and minority staff on the House side. And and we're also approaching those on the Senate side to try to uh, both educate. I mean, I think there's certainly an understanding that the, the scorecard needs to evolve. And what we really want to do is uh, back to GAO, partner with GAO, because they're the ones doing a lot of the heavy lifting on the actual scoring and, uh, and, and working with GAO on, on getting these recommendations to the point where we could have congressional staff say yes. Um, I believe we're moving positively in this. Uh, uh, of course, we'd always like to see faster movement, but we are making some real progress on this education effort on evolving the scorecard. And Rich, as a longtime leader on the Hill, what would you like to maybe see as some next steps for the Hill on this topic? Well, I'd, I'd like to see us um, able to, to grab their attention going forward. Um, but, you know, we, we, we lost Congressman Hurd and and, and Congresswoman Kelly, they were instrumental in moving this forward. And of course, you can't understate the role of Jerry Connolly uh, in keeping this um, unprecedented amount of congressional oversight. As I said, uh, the, the demise of failure of the Clinger Cohen framework was because the principals retired or, or moved on and, and people lost attention. But you're seeing whether it's through the enactment of the MGT Act, which, by the way, was in the original draft version of Fatar, but fell by the wayside because of opposition from the appropriators. Uh, we, we see that uh, revived and passed into law uh, with the TMF uh, and the working capital fund provisions and the like. Um, you're seeing SAMOSA, which is an interesting software inventory uh, legislation that's in process. And Congresswoman Nancy Mace is, is starting to take a leadership role um, in this area as well. So we're, we're, we're very hopeful that we can maintain and grow congressional interest in this key uh, key initiative. And Margie, um, you just were a veteran of, of being an OMB leader. And so what would you like to see next, Howard, with OMB and the Federal CIO Council? Uh, OMB is ultimately one of the key drivers in implementation. And so the constant conversation that the OMB CIO, Claire Martorano, is in with the federal CIO council, this is a topic of interest because everyone wants to get the measures right so that we can drive the right outcome. And in order to do that, we need to understand what individual agencies um, blockers are, and we need to clear those blockers out of the way in terms of implementation. And so that open conversation, I think, uh, builds trust. Um, there's also a two-way conversation that's going on, as Rich said, with GAO and has been for some time, ever since the uh, evolution of the, of the first round of um, measures in FATARA occurred. And ultimately, I think, um, the fact that 
there's that total collaboration between all parts of the executive branch and also the um, the congressional branch is really what's made this a success over time. I think it has uh, afforded us the opportunity to drive and measure the change that we were trying to achieve. So the CIO Council obviously is the execution arm of that, and the CIOs have a large voice in what goes on the scorecard and why it goes there. Richard Spires, we're going to give you the last word on the show. We've got about a minute and a half left. No time to rest on your laurels, as they say. Oh, and so, so like, look to the future for us. What would you like to see happen next? I know there are more areas that you'd like to look at for enhancements. And, and so why don't you give yeah. us a little view to the future well, to wrap this up? I, you know, I, I should say we, we wrote what we felt was a comprehensive report um, and a set of recommendations on how the scorecard evolves. We recognize that it's it's not easy to make these kinds of changes across the agencies, uh, with across Congress and, and with support of GAO. So we certainly understand that incremental changes to the scorecard are still a very positive thing. So as an example, uh, we've been asked a number of times, if you had to prioritize these changes, what would you start with? And and we've had those answers. And I'm not saying you know all the all working group members would answer exactly the same way, but I think a lot of us feel that the idea of, of truly getting a modernization plan in place, a real modernization plan um, that's enterprise-wide, that really deals with the legacy debt that's been mentioned earlier on the show, that these legacy systems, some of them are fine. I mean, some of them can be upgraded, but some of them truly need to be retired. They can't functionally do the job anymore and meet mission, or from a cybersecurity perspective, they just, they're just way too much risk. We need to deal with those. And um, and I think this our approach is get that plan in place on how to deal with it and then show real progress, be outcome-based. Because you know, the way we set up these uh, the scoring mechanisms, have a plan, but then you're gonna measure yourself against the plan. And if you want an A, you're gonna have to show real progress against that plan. Um, I think that's a model that will work. I think that's a model that should be put in place as we move the scorecard forward. Richard Spires is principal at Richard A. Spires Consulting. Marjorie, Margie Graves is senior fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government and Rich Butel is managing principal and founder of Cyrus Analytics. Thank you for your continued leadership in the federal technology community, and thank you for joining us today. If you enjoy the topics and speakers that we feature on this show, you should consider becoming a member of ACTIAC. Membership is open to government employees, for-profit companies, and nonprofit organizations that share the ACTIAC vision of accelerating government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. And if you'd like to learn more about becoming a member or about the Fatari Scorecard work, check out the Federal News Network website or our website, www.actiac.org. I'm Dave Wintergren, and you've been listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACTIAC on Federal News Network. Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ACTIAC. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.